Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. Strong word. It's a strong word. Jesus said, forsaken. Forsaken. Look at this. Uh, Forsaken means what? Abandoned or deserted. And if you look at the original Aramaic of this word that we have translated here as abandoned or deserted or forsaken, it's actually the thought of dereliction. So Jesus is saying to God the Father, you have uh, the dereliction of duties. You have a fail. You fail to perform what you should be performing. That's, That's the thought here. I'm abandoned, I'm deserted. This is a dereliction. And Jesus is the Messiah, right? He's the Son of God. He's one-third of the Trinity, and he's saying, I'm abandoned, I'm forsaken, I'm deserted. And Jesus felt that the Father had failed him. Did you notice that I used the word felt? You probably didn't, but I did. I used the word felt. Jesus felt that the Father had failed him, had abandoned him. Did God abandon him? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you uh, not done your duties and being with me? Did God abandon him or did he just feel this way? I said, Jesus felt like God had abandoned him. Did he really abandon him or did Jesus just feel this way? I want to talk about that. Let's do some psychology to get us started today, okay? Look at this. Did you know that a feeling is true? A feeling is true. I feel tired. It's true. I feel scared. That's true. I feel scared. I feel nervous right now. I feel happy. I feel abandoned. I feel forsaken. A feeling, the way that you feel about something is true. When I'm going up the hill on the Magnum at Cedar Point, have you been on this Magnum at Cedar Point? Raise your hand. Nothing better. But when I'm going up the hill on the Magnum at Cedar Point, I feel scared, I feel nervous, and I feel doomed. That's the word, doomed. You see, your feelings are true. I really do feel that way when I'm going up the hill on the Magnum. But the thing is, there's an other side to feeling, though your feelings are true. Look at this. The reason for the feeling is not always based on fact. The reason you feel that way may not be based on fact, on something that's actually true. Let me explain, okay? Going up the hill on the Magnum, I feel fear because I'm afraid that the whole structure, this this hill thing is going to collapse. Do we have a picture of that? Okay, now look at this. 
That's scaffolding. You know, the people keep in their garages or the construction guy uses, construction guys use. That's all that is. Some construction guys showed up and put that together one morning, and then they put track on the top of it, and you're going to get on there right, right? That's what it looks like to me. So before I get to the top, I'm afraid that whole thing's going to fall over. Why not? Why wouldn't it fall over? I don't know. And then when you're going down the hill, you crest the hill, and you're going down the hill at 247 miles an hour, right? Your face is pulled back. There's a curve coming up, and you know you're going to go straight instead of around the curve in a fiery blaze. I just know it. Now, could those things happen? Could. It could happen, but the likelihood is really, really, really small. Praise the Lord for that. You're never going to ride that roller coaster the same now, are you? My fear, though, the feeling is real, isn't it? I'm afraid. I really am afraid. But it's based on something that's not true. That's not probably not real. So let's look at Jesus on the cross. We just looked at that, right? His words tell us that he feels abandoned by God. But do you think he really was abandoned by God? These scholars dig into that. He felt really abandoned by, he felt really bad by God. Now, he felt abandoned by God. Now, our, the, the feeling is true. We may really feel that way. But the reality of being abandoned by God, which is our topic today, will never be true if Jesus is your Savior. will never be true. Our feeling that we are abandoned by God will never be true. You can feel that way, but it's not based on fact. Maybe you personally have, uh, have actually been abandoned. Maybe your spouse walked out, best friend quits texting, I'm abandoned. Your kids don't really seem interested in you as you get older. Your dad left your mom or your mom left your dad. You get fired from a job that you love. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. And this, the thing is, we feel the same thing sometimes about our Heavenly Father. We feel abandoned by Him. And feeling abandoned by God, what's it do? It causes doubt, which is what we've been talking about for the last six weeks. Doubt. Feeling abandoned by God causes doubt. Feeling uh, could cause us to ask the doubt questions. Does he care for me, like the Bible says? Does he even exist? Why would he let this happen to me or my child or my spouse or my mom? Where are you, God, in the middle of my misery? And as I've said many times again, doubt often brings us to the questions. It's often caused by the questions that we can't answer. You know what I'm going to say next, probably, and that is get out your Bible. I'm predictable. Get out your Bible. Let's turn to Acts, the book of Acts. There are tons of story in the Bible that uh, allude to God's absence in a situation. It was hard for me to land on one to share. But we're going to be in uh, chapter 16 and look at a familiar story from there. If you would turn there, get it up on your device, whatever you got. Acts 16, we'll also have those verses for you on the screen, and we are using the NIV today, as I generally do use the New International Version, and I'll tell you if I switch that up. So if you learned any uh, Bible, any length of time, you know that Paul's been through the ringer. Man, this guy just had all kinds of stuff happen to him. What a life he's lived, right? He had all kinds of stuff happen to him. Uh, He'd been through the ringer for his faith, and he's finally executed for it. Like, you know, life didn't go very good for him, and then he's executed for it, right? Big fun. 
And in Acts 16, there's another story of Paul going through a challenging situation that, that, that would make the best of us wonder if this Christianity thing is even worth it. Paul, right, a devout Hebrew, was adamant against, adamantly against this new Jesus stuff. All right, you know, when I've been a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and I know all my Old Testament, and I am schooled, and I'm a scholar. This is not the Messiah. That's what Paul's thinking. This is not the Messiah, and I don't even want to hear that. That's blasphemy. And uh, he thought that, right, he was against this new Jesus stuff until Jesus got a hold of him. And we can read that in Acts chapter 9. And he becomes an absolute hero of the Christian faith, doesn't he? Writes most of the New Testament, starts churches all over everywhere. He doubted Jesus was the Christ, but his doubts were proven false by the reality of Jesus as the Messiah. And in our story today, he's out on tour. Jesus gets a hold of him, and he's out on tour spreading the gospel. Starting churches, that's what he does. He goes from town to town, goes to the Jewish synagogue and starts preaching about this Jesus guy that he didn't believe in and starts churches all over. And we're sitting here today as a big part of what Paul did. So Acts chapter 16. Here's a story that you're familiar with, some of you maybe. Verse 16 starts this, starts like this. They're on tour. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. So she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. Okay, they're in Philippi right now, which is Roman ruled. He said, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Listen, and the other prisoners were listening to them. This is important. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, but when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately 
he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Love that story. Now, the first part of the story is kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? Some weird slave girl, she's running around. She can predict the future. She had an evil spirit that made her a fortune teller, and she's following them around for days. Can you imagine how annoying this gets? It's like, holy smokes, Cindy, stop following us around. You know, they get annoyed by it. And uh, quick, go the other way, right? Here comes Cindy again. Can you imagine? It's like you at the grocery store when you see somebody you don't want to talk to. You know how you kind of, don't, don't lie. I know you do that. Go the other way. Especially when you see me come. It's like, I haven't been in church in six weeks. Go the other way. Go the other way. So what's he do? He's like, you're killing me, Cindy. And he says, come out of her spirit. Go home for crying out loud. You're driving me crazy. So he casts out the fortune-telling spirit. And unfortunately, her owners can no longer make money off of her. So they're like, what did you do? She was our source of income. Can you imagine? Have an evil spirit that could tell your future, you know. They, people give me money all over the place. I can imagine. And they're mad about it. So they drag Paul and Silas before the sheriff, you know, the, the magistrates. Tell them that they're causing a disturbance and doing things they shouldn't, like casting out demons. Right? Who does that? They're, they're casting out demons. They're doing weird stuff. They shouldn't be doing this. Exorcism. So the magistrates have him flogged and thrown into prison. Now, for our purpose today, I want to start here. I want to start with this right here. I can feel abandoned when God's plan is different than mine. We're talking about feeling abandoned by God. That's for sure. Talk about a bad day. Paul and Silas are out serving the Lord, they're doing missions, right? They're on tour. And I bet when they set out that day, they didn't plan on being beaten in the village square and thrown into prison. They're beat half to death and put in jail. You know that we can feel abandoned when something comes along in our life that we didn't bargain for, that we didn't plan on. That we didn't plan on. Can't we? I remember when um, in 2000, Donna and I were going to move to Houston. And uh, we went down there for the oratory trip and the interview and everything. And they offered me the position. But the more that we prayed about it, we just didn't want to go. I don't know. We had fear. I don't know what it was. Well, we didn't want to go. Because we, uh, let's see, where were we living at the time? We were living in Auburn, Indiana at the time. But we didn't want to go. And so we told them, you know, not, we don't think that it's the right move for us right now. And, and they were a little adamant about what do you mean? You know, we, we, we prayed. Everybody's prayed. We, it is the right thing for you to do. And we talked and discussed and bartered and all of that. And then we, we made the decision, okay, we're, we felt like we should go. We went to Houston. We moved, packed up everything and drove down there. And we hated it. We're like, what did we do? What did we get ourselves into? This was a big mistake. It was like, God, get us out of here. I actually called my, can you imagine? I put in my uh, resignation with my old employer, packed up, moved to Houston, and then called him and said, hey, can I come back to work now? I did. I asked him, could I have my old job back? 
we felt abandoned. And it's like, weren't we doing the work of the Lord? Why is this so terrible? It's just the whole situation with the school thing with our kids and the, where we lived, I was far away from my work and the house was a lot of money to pay for it, just all of this. And we were freaking out over the whole thing. And this guy, Pastor Joey Rogers, who preached a great sermon on this text, said this. He said that God's plan... Do we have that on there? Yeah, yeah, there is. God's plan is always about God, and God's plan for our life is always about God. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Psalms, Proverbs 19 says, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I didn't put that on the screen. Psalm 19, 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So, Life struggles, challenges, broken hearts, hurts, health issues, relationship issues, being moved, moving to Houston, being flogged in the town square and thrown in jail, you name it. They're, they're part of life, right? Like it or not, they're part of life. And God's plan for our life is, is always about what he's doing. It's always about God. And even though we can feel abandoned in the middle of it, remember that a feeling, though it's true, it's not always based on fact. You can feel abandoned in the middle of your misery, but a feeling is not always based on fact. And the author of Hebrews was quoting the Old Testament, said this, God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That was, he was quoting God talking to Joshua. That's a fact. That's not a feeling. And that's hard to own sometimes, isn't it? I, I think we can have head knowledge of this. But man, when we're in the middle of it, when we're really feeling abandoned by God, when we're in the middle of a misery or a mess, and it's hard to own this. It's like, okay, God, you say you're with me, but I'm just not so sure. I'm just not so sure. Man. I've been there. I've been there. So here's the challenge then. How do we respond? How do we respond when we feel abandoned? We're in the middle of the feeling of abandonment. Because you see, the response to the feeling can make all the difference. The response to the feeling of abandonment can make all the difference. Maybe Paul and Silas didn't necessarily feel abandoned in their situation. Maybe they did. I don't know. But we can learn a lot by their response. And it's a classic response. Look at this, verse 25, 16, 25. Let's read this again. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Classic. Now, Madonna and I went to Houston. I'd be lying if I told you that we sang hymns. <laughs> And celebrated. Well, did we pray? You bet. We prayed a lot. But Paul and Silas, their response seems a bit different than mine would be in this circumstance if I'd been beaten and thrown into jail. Would I be doing that? I don't know. They couldn't possibly sleep under these conditions. It's midnight, and they're singing. Had to be pitch black in there. But they displayed their trust in God. 
In this trial, they're praying, they're singing hymns, like praises to the Lord, like, like, Lord, I lift your name on high. Do you think that's what they were singing? I hope not. They would have left him in prison. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe they were singing that song. I don't, maybe not. And Pastor Roger said that they're in the depths of the Roman dungeon, beaten, battered, and bloodied. Paul and Silas find solace in the arms of the Savior through worship and prayer. We'll say that again. In the depths of a Roman dungeon, beaten, battered, and bloody, Paul and Silas find solace in the arms of the Savior through worship and prayer. Is that awesome? And God shows up. In verse 26, suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. They worshiped. They prayed. Number two, I can feel abandoned, but my response, my response shows my trust. My response can't allow God to break chains and open doors. My response can't allow God to break chains and open doors. My response shows my trust, doesn't it? So they're like in prison, Lord, I lift your name on high, right? That causes the earthquake, I'm sure, because they sang that song, God sends an earthquake. I'm just kidding. Okay, maybe not. But so they're singing hymns and pray, and the the earthquake happens, the doors open, and the chains fall off of everybody. So Paul and Silas respond to this hardship with worship and prayer, and look what happens. Everybody's chains came off. And the jailer knows that this is a tough situation too, and he's going to kill himself. He thought everybody had left. And I will suggest that when we're feeling abandoned, when we're in the middle of something that we can't explain, when we doubt God's goodness or even doubt his existence because of our circumstance, that's when we worship. That's when we pray. That's when we lean in. That's when we pursue him. Have you ever heard of the push principle? Pray until something happens. You can write that down. Push, pray until something happens. Look at this, Hebrews 4. This is cool. The high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. Why? Because he faced all the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. But you want to know, leave that up there for a second, Nick, would you? Can you go back to that? You want to know what's cool about this? Look at this. It says, Jesus understands our weaknesses, okay? For he faced all the same testings we do. Jesus has been tested. Jesus faced all the testings we do. He'd been there before. What happened in Matthew 27? What I started with today. Jesus feels abandoned by God, doesn't he? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So yes, Jesus has even felt abandoned, which is what we're talking about today. 
So he has been there and done that. It's like mind blown. This goes directly to what he just we were just talking about. And if you're feeling abandoned, Jesus knows that exact feeling. And the author of Hebrews tells us Jesus has been through what you've been through. Here's an exact example that Jesus has been through what you are going through if you are feeling that way right now. And you approach the throne boldly, boldly, boldly. Don't be a sissy. Approach the throne boldly. You can tell God you're mad. You can tell him you feel abandoned. It's okay. He's big. He can take it. He can take it. He understands. And you will find grace and mercy when you need it most. And that's what we did in Houston. It's like, okay, we're here. We can't move back. We can't do anything. We prayed. We worshiped with our new church family. And eventually, a life group. I'll talk about that in a minute. We settled in. And, through the situa- and though the situation didn't always get easier, we saw God move in mighty ways. Because God's plan may be different than yours, but please understand that your response is everything. Our response is everything. Look what happens. Go to verse 29. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When I feel abandoned, I must be aware that God can use my response to point others to him. They were watching. People are watching you. If you're a believer, people are watching you. The jailer sees the mighty move of God in this miracle, and he's like, what must I do to be saved? I can't believe that. What just happened? He's freaking out. He's trembling. It says here. So let me ask you something. Here's something that came to my mind. Did God free Paul and Silas for Paul and Silas's benefit? Or for the benefit of the jailer and all of his family to be saved? And if you scooch up a little bit, it says all the prisoners were listening through this whole thing. Verse 25. Which was it? Release Paul and Silas for their benefit? Or for the benefit of the jailer and his family and all those in the prison? Maybe it was both. I think Donna and I can uh, both attest to the fact that God used us in a bunch of different ways. And God used us in a bunch of Texas. We got involved. We built relationships. We had a life group. Uh, uh, that met and did life together for over five years. We served in a nursing home ministry. We had a ladies group come to our house for years, and the list goes on. We settled in, we prayed, we trusted God for the outcome, and he showed up. We leaned in. We prayed, we saw it, and we, we got involved. We got plugged in, like I said, and the, the list goes on and on of the ways of that 
that we were able to connect and be used by God in that situation that started out so terribly for us. So let me ask you then, if you're here in this place or you're watching at home, do you feel abandoned by God today? Think about it. Has this feeling caused you to doubt God's existence? His goodness? Has this feeling caused you to question whether or not he even cares? Isn't that the big one? Yeah, I believe he's there, but I don't think he really cares for me. He's letting me go through this horrible thing. Check this out. This is good. Luke 23 says this. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last breath. Why do I share that? Because if God wasn't there when Jesus felt abandoned, I'm speculating, why did he talk to him as if he were? Talking to him right there. Why have you forsaken me? Oh, by the way, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so if you're struggling with the feeling of abandonment, a doubt, or whatever you bring into this room, or whatever you bring to this, whatever you if watching on the live stream, remember that God's plan is different than yours. Your response can break chains and open doors. God can use your response to point others to him. And maybe that's exactly what he's doing. And Jesus is our example. Paul and Silas are our example. And maybe you're in here today or you're watching at home. You're going, my life's pretty good right now. Who do you know that's li- whose life is not pretty good right now? Who can you be an encouragement to? My friend says, if they're breathing, you need encouragement. Who can you bring encouragement to if if you're feeling pretty good right now? Because in our doubts and our struggles and the feelings of abandonment, we, 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 we must worship, we must pray, we must be encouraged, we must lean in, listen, and remember that a feeling, the feeling of being abandoned isn't always based on fact. This, 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 text today just spoke to me a lot really did because this is challenging it's challenging all of us it's challenging I want us to read this next passage together would you say this with me rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evidence to all the Lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, regard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's it, the peace of God. Bring your request before God. Come before and pray. Seek Him. Worship. Be encouraged. Some say that when Jesus says, why have you abandoned me, is the moment that the sins of the world were placed on on him. Sounds pretty good to me. That's why he died. That's why he felt abandoned. 
And if you are feeling abandoned right now by God, is he your savior? Is Jesus your savior? It starts there. You have to have Jesus as your savior in order to feel that connection. Because once Jesus becomes your savior, part of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Never leave you, nor forsake you. Never abandon you. And if you're feeling down and out, depressed, and down and out, abandoned, God wants you to know that's not based on fact. But it starts with having Jesus as your Savior. I need you. You must start there. And if you're not sure about that, we need to talk about that, okay? You need to just ask Jesus right now to become your Savior. Understand, he went to the cross because you couldn't. And he paid for your sins, your mess, the things you've gotten yourself into, the things you're ashamed of, whatever it is, he paid for that on that cross, forsaken by God for that time so that you could have a relationship with, with God and never be forsaken, never go through what he had to go through. Let's pray. Life is tough, Lord. You know that. You know it. It's not a surprise to you when bad things happen to good people. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise when we go through a challenge, when we have a struggle or a hurt or a disappointment. It's not a challenge. It's, it's not a surprise to you. The hard part, Lord, is for us to remember. Never will you leave us or forsake us. Whether You are there. You are there. That a, a being a feeling abandoned is a feeling, and the feeling of being abandoned by God, if we have Jesus as our Savior, is not based on fact because that can't happen. So I pray for encouragement today. I pray that we would be encouraged by your presence in our life, in our circumstances, in our situations. We speak against that, Lord. We speak against the feeling of abandonment in the name of Jesus. Father, surround us. Those who are hurting and struggling, surround them with the warmth, feeling of your presence and your love. Never walk out on us, Lord. Not going to happen. You never said this life would be easy, but you said we'll not have to go it alone. And Lord, if there's anybody in here or watching, whatever it is that is not sure about their relationship with your son, Lord, let today be the day that that feeling of abandonment goes away because they receive you as their savior today let today be the day that's why you died on the cross for that reason Lord you want everybody to be saved you want everybody to know you and come to a saving knowledge of your son Jesus Christ may we never forget what we learned from your word thank you for stories that you've given us to learn from Lord I pray that all of us could just internalize what we learned today, what we internalize it and live it out so that others may see and want what we have. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week. 
but we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.